What up, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Showtime Forum podcast, talking all things purple and gold. I'm your host, Chris Camello, and Showtime Forum contributor, Mr. Chaz Pearson. What's up, Laker Nation? What it do? Got another good one for all you fans of the now 17-time NBA champion Los Angeles Lakers. Did Laker Nation breathe a sigh of relief that could have been felt throughout the entire city? Who must step up in eighties? <laughs> Who must step up in eighties absence? Will Palinka make a move sooner than later? And what can we expect in the nine games leading up to the NBA All Star break? We're breaking that all down and more on this edition of the Showtime Forum podcast. But before we do, be sure to follow us on all social media and streaming platforms at Showtime Forum. That's at Showtime Forum. You can also follow us on our website, theshowtimeform.com. That's the, T-H-E, showtimeform.com. Now, before we get to get into anything, those of you who follow us on Twitter, and we love you, and we thank you, and we love your support. However, you also know over the last week, we have been shut down off of Twitter. We are working hard to get that back up. So thank you for your patience. We are still working out some things, why we got shut down and all of the, that kind of stuff and how we get ourselves back up. But, uh, you know, Twitter's really drawing a hard line now on some, on some things. So uh, that's why if you haven't been noticing any new posts on Showtime Forum Twitter, that is the reason. But be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram where we always have new posts on our story and our feed as well as our website, theshowtimeform.com. Chaz, what's up, man? What up, Chris? Yeah, we'll, we'll be getting that thing back up and running real, real soon. You know, Twitter is pretty sensitive with their guidelines and stuff like that. Not like we violated anything, but uh, it looks like there's a technological problem on the back end. So trying to get that figured out. In the meantime, there's good news and bad news today. Chris, go ahead and break it down for us. What, what's going on, man? Well, it was a, <laughs> a rough way to end Valentine's Day weekend. That's for sure with the... Lakers not only losing 122 to 105 at the hands of the Denver Nuggets, who really came out to play, knocked down 19 threes in the Lakers grill compared to just six for LA, but Anthony Davis went down and that's that story seemed to take front seat while the results of the game was a distant backseat. Uh, AD goes down in the second quarter, bumped legs with Nikola Jokic. We all know AD had missed two games earlier last week, the two overtime games against the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. And he went out and he was grabbing that Achilles, the same Achilles he had missed some time with, uh, with the uh, tendinosis uh, as it was originally diagnosed. Gingerly, after making two free throws, a la Kobe Bryant, gingerly walked back to the locker room. It looked like it really stiffened up was not, did not return the rest of the game. And everybody was just kind of holding their breath, not knowing how bad this thing was. Now I knew it was not a rupture. It didn't feel like a rupture. He wasn't grabbing at it like a rupture. So that was the good news, but you know, it's an Achilles. It's one of the worst injuries a pro athlete can have. We saw what happened with the Kansas city chiefs O-lineman, Eric Fisher, and how that kind of really changed the whole dynamic of the chiefs O-line. Ultimately their Super Bowl chances as well. And, you know, it's, it's a very sensitive injury. We've seen it with Kevin Durant. We've seen it with Clay Thompson this year. So you hate to see it happen. And you definitely hate to see it to a star player. So AD goes out, Lakers get smoked, really never had a chance in this game. MRI was scheduled for Monday and Chaz, it was what we had expected, a re-aggravation of the Achilles tendinosis, as well as a calf strain. So the Lakers are, I've now shut down Anthony Davis 
for two to three weeks. So that will take him to the all-star break and he'll get reevaluated sometime after that. And who knows, maybe he'll show up first or second week of the second half of the season. We still don't have a schedule for that yet, but it wasn't awful news. It was what we had expected, but still you feel comfortable knowing it wasn't something worse. Yeah, absolutely. And I couldn't be really happier with the news because it was exactly what I thought it was going to be when I first saw it. I said, you know, no, no, you know, I, but we already knew that AD was dealing with this injury even before we found out about the, you know, tendinosis. Right. Uh, looks like the, looking at an, another operative word for exactly what AD is going out, going through and it's tendosyndivitis, um, which is pretty much uh, a, a high inflammation of what is a sheath that goes over, that is over the actual Achilles tendon. So there's no structural damage to the tendon, which the MRI revealed today that Anthony Davis had on Monday, but also he did have a calf strain. So what they call a strain, which is pretty general based off of what other you know doctors have said, Dr. Clapper on 710 and even a 3B performance as well on Twitter, Dr. Raj, I should say. Uh, has come out and you know he was on 710 as well give, given a whole breakdown on what's going on with ad so it's not the actual tendon so we don't have to worry about that about i mean i guess maybe in the, in the in the long run that is what the fear is so that's why the operative word being conservative for rich paul and rob palenka and anthony davis rob palenka and anthony davis according to Woj, um, they've already been in discussion on this prior to ad getting hurt and even before the MRI today. So right. it's really looking like AD is not going to be back until after the All-Star break, which is through March the 10th, Right. Um, which AD will get at least a good solid almost month yeah. off in, in real time, which we've all kind of said that he needs even because he hasn't been himself all year. No, he hasn't. We've seen pockets of good play, including when he returned Friday night against the Memphis Grizzlies. The Lakers were down 22 to two in that game, ended up routing the, the Grizzlies late in the fourth quarter. And AD had 35 points. He huge played game. good defense. Yeah, he had a huge game. And he had missed his first, what, five five or six shots of that game? Six I shots. mean, and, yeah. And so hit the next six. He hit the next six and started to get into a rhythm that carried over into the second half. And I mean, he even buckled down the Lakers defense, which was atrocious in that first half against Memphis. So he looked like he was moving well, looked good at the start of the Denver game. And, you know, he said it was sore, but I figured, okay, time off. You know, now you're pushing the Achilles harder than you were during practices. Naturally, you're going to be a little bit sore. I mean, shoot, I know if I do a chest workout and I haven't benched 145 in, in like a, you know, in, in a few months and I bench 145, hey, guess what? I'm going to be sore. That, you know, at the end of that workout and definitely the next day. So I don't, I don't think we thought anything of it, but all it takes is one awkward movement or one misdirection or something like that, or an opponent stepping in that area, something to, for it to get re-aggravated. And we saw this Chaz, and I was telling you this off air, Kevin Love, Kevin Love has been dealing with a similar injury all season long. Kevin Love strained his calf, missed a, a week or two, came back, re-aggravated it. And now he hasn't been, he hasn't played since. And that was late December. So he's been out six weeks. Now love is a different situation. I'm sure it, maybe it was more severe, maybe slow healer, slow healer. Maybe the Cavs are holding him out because for potential trade and they don't want to lose him for the year and get nothing for him. You know what I mean? There's a whole other reason why Kevin love uh, could, could miss some time. So 
We don't know what the severity of this is with AD. Uh, it could be something that over the next few days, three, four days, that it starts to already show some progress. But the Lakers, once again, I always quote the great Clay Davis from The Wire. There's the short con and the long con. And right now, the Lakers have got to keep the long con in mind because seating and matchups and all that stuff aren't, aren't going to matter if you don't have your number one, or excuse me, your 1A player out there. And Anthony Davis isn't just somebody who can give you 25 points and 10 rebounds. He is a defensive anchor that covers so much ground for you, whether it be in the paint or on the perimeter. So to have him healthy 100% or close enough to it going into the playoffs is going to be key. So if you have to sack up some games and maybe for, you know, sacrifice a spot or something, a spot or two in the Western conference standing, so be it. If it means that you get a fully healthy Anthony Davis and a fully healthy squad health going into the postseason, that's really all that should matter. Yeah. That's really all that does matter. Anthony Davis being healthy. We just signed him. We being the Lakers, have signed him to $190 million, almost a $200 million investment over the next five years. You right. have, you technically, you can't be too conservative because of the level of investment that you've already made into this player who is one of one, who is one a on the team, obviously next to LeBron and for all intents and purposes, the only duo that's going to be able to take out anybody else in the league, including the Brooklyn Nets who now have Ky KD Kyrie, and James Harden, but the soft tissue injuries, this, the 71 day layoff is really starting to come into play. If you don't think that that has anything to do with as many soft tissue injuries that you're not only seeing around the league, but with this injury with Anthony Davis, it has something to do with it. Right. And it, to me, it speaks even more to the level in which LeBron James keeps himself in because he's almost a decade older and, and dealing with the same amount of layoff and he hasn't missed a single game let alone playing 40 plus minutes in three straight games and overtime games against Detroit, as well as Oklahoma city. So yeah, you got to take a look at the soft tissue injuries, even Kevin Durant's dealing with a hamstring. He's out for a couple of games. Yeah. I think he's actually resting for Thursday's matchup against the Lakers. Cause you know, it's a big time game that you want to, you haven't seen KD and LeBron against each other in over a year and a half, almost two years, literally yeah. an yeah. actual, an actual matchup time. So but getting back to AD, I just love the fact that he's a good, he's been in good spirits right? and he has a positive tone about him. He, they pressured him. He joked at the end of his post game saying, Hey, thanks for pressuring me into, into doing the post game uh, interview. But uh, he was nice enough to do that, even though he was hurt. Normally when you get hurt, you don't do any post game. Right. A la Kobe Bryant who cried in his post game after tearing his Achilles or rupturing his Achilles. But I just love the fact that he, had a good head about him. He kept his head high. He traveled with the team. There's Montrez, obviously Montrez and AD have had gone back and forth on social media all year. And Trez uh, put up an Instagram video story of them in the elevator. Or I think they're in a, in the hotel. They just got to the hotel in Minneapolis uh, about to play the Minnesota Timberwolves on Tuesday evening. So, and AD's in good spirits, you know, and he's kind of joking around and, and everything like that. So, and good news is that he also traveled with the team. If it was really serious or a rupture or anything like that, right. they would have yeah. sent him back to LA immediately. No sure. questions asked. So take deep sigh of relief, LA fans, Laker fans. So we're going to get AD back. I think it's going to be the first game after the All-Star break. If it's any time before that, I'll be absolutely shocked. And I will take a look at where the Lakers are at that time. But 
again, like you said, seeding doesn't really matter at this point. You, the Lakers have, pro- have proven in their, they have the best road record in the league already as is that they can go into any building, especially with no to minimal fans and be able to win a seven game series, regardless of if there's fans or not, there's not another team when the Lakers are playing at hundred percent efficiency that can beat them. There's just not a team that can beat them four out of seven, unless it's the Brooklyn Nets and they're, and they're compromised. So yeah, um, as presently constructed, we'll get into the, into the bio market and seeing what's going on, but as presently constructed, that's what I believe. Yeah. And you know what? I, I'm, I just want to touch on this real quick. I'm glad you brought up the contract and for a guy like Anthony Davis, given his injury history, and he has been injury prone throughout his career, going back to his days in new Orleans, there were times where this guy would miss 20, 25 games in a season. Now the last couple of years were, in New Orleans were better. And obviously last year with the Lakers, he pushed through a lot more stuff and he had the, the sacral contusion. He had the elbow, he had the shoulder, the knee, there were some, there were some things. And then at the end of that series against the heat in the NBA finals, he was dealing with the, a really bad heel contusion. So, uh, you know, the, this guy's been through a lot. I mean, he's just one of those guys that just gets hurt. I mean, that's just how it is. I mean, I, I'm not saying that it's going to last like this his whole career, but there should have never been a, a doubt in his mind that he needed to sign a five-year deal, whether it be with the Lakers or elsewhere, whatever situation he was going to have, he needed to sign a five-year deal because things like this could happen. So this is exactly why you want to have that. This is, deal. Exactly. This is why you do that. So as great as it is to bet on yourself and max out your, your value, as we've seen KD and, and Kawhi do, and, and even LeBron for, for those years in Cleveland, where it's like, I'm going to do one plus one and restructure and, and do things like that until that time comes where it's like, okay, I'm going to sign a long-term deal because I need that guarantee that protection because who knows what could happen so this is this is why you do that not just for ad but for any pro athlete so speedy recovery to anthony davis he's obviously an extremely important part of what the lakers need to do but in the meantime Chaz, this is still a team this is still a team that has adopted as jared dudley has so eloquently put at times a next man up mentality one guy goes down even if it is anthony davis okay who's stepping up and I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna let you lead off with that. Who is stepping up the most, or who or I should ask, who should step up the most in Davis's absence? Personally, I would like for it to be Schroeder. To me personally, he has played in these last few games not even close to what he can and should be. And he would probably be the first one to tell you that. Um, that's who I think it should be. Who will it be? Kuz, straight out. <laughs> Kyle Kuzma, when when he starts, like like he had in when AD went out, had 19 points, eight rebounds, is playing the best basketball of his life right now in terms of all around game between doing put back dunks over Michael Porter Jr. Mm. Uh, he had another one hand put put back dunking in the Memphis game. He's getting multiple rebounds, get, getting his own rebounds, stepping back behind the three point line and swishing a three. Kyle Kuzma is going to be in his bag these next nine games, presumably if Anthony Davis isn't going to play until after the all-star break after March 10th, that that's going to be who it will be, I believe, but I would like it to be, it should be Schroeder. I want to see Schroeder play better point guard play overall in terms of getting people into positions, having the confidence to be able to run the offense the way that it should be ran instead of LeBron. Uh, relying on LeBron. There's too many times where you'll see Schroeder 
pass the ball to LeBron at the top of the key and LeBron just throw it right back to him. Like, go ahead, go to work. Like, yeah, call, call the pick or go to the basket because he believes in him. LeBron has instilled belief into all of his teammates from Schroeder all the way down to THT and, and UC. And, those and, guys. and Chad, sorry to cut you off, but I think it's important. We were starting to see flashes of that. In the two games against the Oklahoma City Thunder, we were starting to see flashes of that to the point where I'm saying, has he figured it out now? Has he figured out his niche on when to be aggressive and when to defer to LeBron James? And then it, you see a game like Sunday night in Denver where he still reverts back to that hesitancy. And it's like, dude, we need you to be assertive and aggressive. That doesn't always mean you have to score necessarily, but you do need to be quick and decisive with your moves, whether it be going to the basket or stepping out to the outside and shooting or collapsing the defense and kicking it out to the shooters. So it just seems as though it's still, there's still that roller coaster. There's still that uncomfortability out there. I think it has something to do with AD not being on the floor for those two games as well. I think he was really starting to turn a quarter in that Boston game in Boston because he was great, especially down the stretch, his decision-making and things of that nature. I just want to see Schroeder play better from just a, a point guard perspective, getting people into their positions running the offense, being a floor general, using some a lot more of the things that Chris Paul has taught him and shared with him in the time that they spent together. I, I just know Shorter can be so much better than what he is. He's going to have to get back to averaging 18 to 21 points a game with AD out. Everybody's going to, even Mont Montrez Harrell as well. Even guys like THT, THT is going to get more time. Sure. And everybody, everybody, it's going to be all hands on deck right now. And the way I see it, it's like yeah. they're, they should not be hanging their heads. Some of these guys like Keith or, or Wesley Matthews or THT, guys who've, whose minutes have especially been up and down and DNP CDs and all that stuff, they should be seeing this as an opportunity like, hey, man, I get a chance to go out there and play. I get a chance to go out there and play significant minutes. Let me show these guys. Let me remind them. Or as you like to say, let them know. Let them know. You know, let them know. Like, let the coaching staff, the fans know that, hey, no AD, no problem. We can do this. And Chaz, I was telling you well, another thing I told you offline. Clippers are battling the Miami Heat. They're down four starters on Monday night. And what are they doing? They are giving the Heat all they could handle. So just because you're down your stars or oh, significant. Five. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. And this is also a testament to coaching. Shout out to Ty Lu, keeping those guys prepared, keeping the, the, the guys at the end of the bench that no, don't normally get in unless it's garbage time, prepared and focused. And the Lakers are going to need a lot of that over the next three, four weeks where it's like, hey, no AD, no problem. We got this. We will find ways to win games or at the very least come out of this with a winning record. We know we are capable of doing this. We've got enough talent, enough experience, enough depth to absorb the blow and, and try to make it happen. Now, going back to who I think should step up, Montrez Harrell. Trez has been in these situations before about playing the five and finishing games at the five, and the Lakers are going to need him to do that because who else is, is going to be that guy? It's obviously not going to be Marcus Gasol, not most nights anyway. So it's going to have to be Trez anchoring that paint with his activity. And of course, along with Kuz and Keith and LeBron and whoever else is playing in the front court, but Montrezl Harrell is going to have to be more of a shot blocker, alter shots, be out there switching out on the guards, basically filling AD's role. What AD has been tasked to do at the five the last couple of years, it's now going to fall on Trez. What are your thoughts on that? I think Trez is going to average anywhere between 15 to 20 points a game with AD out. He's going to get a lot of rebounds. He's going to play 
pretty hard. If he gets to stop taking shots to the face somehow, whether it be <laughs> friendly fire, I should say, from yeah. coups, uh, like he took on Friday night or, or even, you know, from other players. But, yeah, as long as Trez is, you know, remains in shape and not hurt and on the floor, he's going he's gonna to play great. But let me ask you a question really quick. Do you think that the last seven games, eight games, would have been close like they have been? Or actually, let's throw out that Denver game. Uh, by the way, the Lakers were in that game until the third quarter, until LeBron decided not to do anything in the third quarter at all. He scored wow. zero point. I think one point he split a pair of free throws with like less than a minute left in the third quarter. He scored zero points in the third quarter. And that's really what took us out. I think so, the team mentally checked out. Yeah, you're right. I think, I think so. But you, you go by how your leader goes and our leader as great as he's been as the MVP all season, all season um, had a bad third quarter and the team just went how we went. Yeah. But getting back to my original point. Do you think that the team plays as bad as they did offensively? If KCP is the real KCP, like yeah, what I'm, get, I, what, I'm get, what I'm getting at is KCP has not been playing the way that no. he should. No, and, really. And I don't think that the Lakers would have been in the hole that they have been in most of these games recently if KCP just plays up at least to his average. He's not confident right now. No, and, and honestly, Chaz, that goes to a, a deeper issue. It's not just KCP. Nobody's making threes right now. The last 12 games, the Lakers' three-point percentage has really dipped off. I want to say they've gone from 40% through the first month of the season to now, what, 28% over the last 12 games. I mean, really, the last great shooting performance that I could recall from downtown was the Milwaukee game. And guess what? KCP was in that game. Like, he, he was the one who showed up in that game, made some big threes late. So, you know it's there. And they're still getting quality looks. They're still getting quality looks. They're just not making them right now. That's just it. They're not making them. And the issue in the Denver game was they were minus 39 just from downtown. Denver made 19 threes on 40 attempts, just a shade under 50%. Lakers were soaking in the paint. They were sagging off guys. They were daring guys like Najee and Compazzo and some of these other dudes to knock down. Them, and they were making them. Murray, too. I mean, I, I mean, those are guys you have to actually get out on. But I think the Lakers were so fearful. And this is something that they're going to have to address now, especially knowing you're going to be without Davis for a while. You have got to find ways to close off the driving lanes, but at the same point in time, not concede open threes like they were doing on Sunday night to Denver. That's just, that's not going to get it done either. These are teams that can go off. So you have to account for that. But going back to your point, yes, if the Lakers shoot better than what they have been, yes, I'm not going to say they're blowouts, but I'm not going to say that they're in overtime either. The right. bad three that's point shooting, yes. the bad three point shooting forces the Lakers now to basically drive to the hoop, make layups, make free throws and those types of things. And you're going to need to some of these guards now to start making some open shots. And they got their fair share of open looks against Denver and they just were not falling. So Kuz has struggled KCP Matthews, even LeBron Caruso, THE. Nobody's making threes right now. It just seems like it's, it's, it's been contagious. As, as hot as the Lakers were in December and January is as cold as they are in February. So yeah. it's, and there's it's no Danny game. green to blame this time. No Danny green to blame. So uh, <laughs> KCP, you got to get it together. Caruso. I'm not going to harp on you too much. Wesley Matthews, not going to harp on you too much. Uh, but Markeith, you got to get that up. Uh, AD. I don't know what's going on with his percentage and, you know, LeBron will get, he'll be back into shape and Kyle Kuzma can always shoot better. 
uh, he can get get above forty percent. But but this also goes anything, down to collapsing the defense as well. LeBron Schroeder collapse the defense, get these guys more open looks. But somebody yes. else even said like K- teams are I think now more game planning more for KCP this year than maybe a year ago. So maybe now the look. I mean, he only took six shots on Sunday night. He only took six shots, he, and four of them were from downtown. So it's not even the lack of production. Where's the where's the quantity of shots? They're not even really there. This is confidence. He doesn't want to shoot because he's not he's thinking not thinking that the shot's going to go in. So he doesn't want to shoot as much before he wants to get other players involved because he knows how deep the team is. And that's really ultimately what it comes down to. It's not really one specific player. I would like it to be Schroeder, and I think it's going to be Kuz, but it could be any anybody else in the nine to ten man rotation that Frank Vogel has. Literally anybody from from THT to Caruso to Matthews to Morris, everybody's going to have to step up at least just a little bit mm-hmm. because Anthony Davis is one of one that you can't just replace 23 and nine and three assists and two blocks a game and 50 percent shooting from the field. You just can't replace that. That's just right. not what you're going to um, be able to come up with overnight. But if you have everybody chipping in here and there, an extra two, three points, an extra bucket an extra, you know, assist, an extra pass, playing together like they should be, um, then the Lakers can win maybe seven out of these next nine, six out of these next nine. There's nine games between now and the All-Star break that the Lakers are going to play in. If they could win or six or seven of those, I'd be impressed. Yeah, I, th- those are good points. You know, while you were talking about everyone chipping in, Chaz, I couldn't help but think about Billy Bean. Brad Pitt's character is Billy Bean in the movie Moneyball, where he's just, yep. where they're trying to, he's just like, if there was another first baseman out there like Giambi, do you think we could afford him? Uh, but now what we might do, what we might be able to do is recreate him, recreate him in the aggregate. And then he talks yep. about the three players where if we get these three guys together, they can basically provide what Giambi left behind. That's sort of like what the Lakers have to do now. They almost kind of got to play money ball a little bit, right? Internally, yeah, of course. But that's why you have the deepest team in the league, right? Everybody thinks that you're the deepest team in the league. Now it's, it's time to go out and prove it. Yeah. I'm, you know, and quite frankly, the Lakers got lucky. In order to win a championship, what some call luck, I call favor, right? You just have to have some kind of favor. Mm-hmm. And the Lakers had that last year where they didn't have a season-ending injury. They did, obviously, who's uh, – Kuzma was hurt, had his injuries. AD fell on his tailbone or, you know, on his, literally his buttocks mm-hmm. and, you know, was out for what, two weeks or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, it was about a week and a half, I think. But, yeah, two but weeks. But there was no Bradley major. Was for two weeks, yeah. Right, but there was no major injuries where, where you just lost a guy, you know, for the season or anything like that. So, um, and thankfully that hasn't happened this year. And having two to three weeks or a month without AD, it sucks for lack of a better term, but um, it's better than having that rupture because we know what that rupture looks like Mm. and feels like all too well as Laker fans. So uh, knock on wood, that's not going to happen again. Hopefully not. And AD even said it, he's going to be smarter. Yeah. I, I got the sense that he felt that he knew that he could do more Mm -hmm. to be in a better position with his Achilles. Like, him saying, hey, I need to be smarter with it. Maybe instead of do three treatments a day, I could do five. Or maybe I could, you know, do this. It's like he has some stuff in his head that he already knows that he could do better from that post-game um, interview that he did after 
the injury or the re-aggravation on Sunday night. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how he attacks it and what he's going to be like post All-Star break. That In my head, that's what I'm expecting to see at AD, not until after the All-Star game is played. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's the re- a reasonable timetable. And you know what? Shout out to the Lakers training staff, to Judy Cito, to the countless others. I don't know all their names off the top of my head, but I know Judy's. Nina she, Shea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, th- there have been so many people over the last couple of years who've done their best to make sure that these guys are healthy enough to be on the court. And I, I don't doubt their expertise and their skill set in this position. They're going to do all they can to get Anthony Davis back up and running in the not-so-distant future. And one more guy, Chaz, that could be activated at this point as far as an internal option before we talk about the external options, Devontae Kaycock. From the G League. boy. Yep. And I know Kostas, uh, Antetokounmpo, he's also on the, well, he's injured right now. He's been dealing with a patellar strain on his, on his knee. He hasn't played, I think in, uh, he hasn't played in a while, but Kaycock would be another guy that you could throw out there. It's another six fouls. It's another guy that could be somebody. I, I don't want to say it's like Montrez Harrell being an undersized big man, but somebody who could at least provide some energy, provide a spark. Teams aren't going to be game planning for him. So maybe Frank Vogel could kind of throw a curveball every now and then to some of his opponents and give Kaycock some, some spot minutes and see what he can do, assuming he's ready to play. What do you have to lose? I, I agree with that. I've been saying I that. I killed it in the G League and preseason last year. I know what he can do. He, he's a solid player. You do that before you go waste your 15th roster spot on Dwayne Dedman or somebody oh, like that, you know? Man. So like that, that's what, that's <laughs> what I've been preaching this entire time. And Speaking of which, that time is coming, right? February 23rd, that's when you can sign 10-day contracts. February 24th, when Quinn Cook's contract is guaranteed. And also on the 24th, that's when uh, the Lakers can sign somebody to the prorated veterans minimum for that 15th roster spot. So the process has begun on that uh, based on what McMiniman has reported. So the Lakers are already scouring the market, seeing who might be available. There's already some names that are coming up like Trevor Ariza, mm. like Andre Drummond, like Blake mm. Griffin, who could possibly get bought out. So what an expensive um, buyout that would be. That, My that, goodness. That, He's owed 60, million. $66 million between this season and next season. Yeah. Unreal. Oh my goodness. But talking I'm about Blake, to, right? We're talking about Blake. Yeah. That, that's yeah. of course BG. Um, but yeah, I, I think there are some decent external options. One of the guys I've talked about on this podcast was Robin Lopez. I don't think Lopez is going to finish the season out with the Washington wizards. Uh, he just lost his starting spot to Alex Len, another guy that was bought out originally by the Raptors and now is the starting center in Washington, but Robin Lopez could be one of those guys. Don't forget him and AD were teammates early in the early years of AD's career in new Orleans and everywhere he's gone, Chaz, he's been solid. Go back to Portland playing alongside LaMarcus Aldridge. He was good there. Chicago with Rondo and D Wade and Butler. He was good there. Uh, New York. He had, you know, I, I remember uh, he was next to Porzingis. He was good there uh, last year in, in Milwaukee. I don't think he fit. He didn't get a ton of playing time because of his twin brother hogging most of that time, but still like he's, he's still a solid basketball player, a guy that could block shots. He plays with an edge. He plays with a chippiness. He's physical. He's got a lot of experience. And I think he always plays well next to great players. And I think if you brought in somebody like that, assuming he gets bought out and not traded, uh, that would be another option. I would like to see Rob Palenka seriously explore. Yeah, I between all of those guys, here's the thing. You're not going to get the top big man 
on the market. No. Because that player is going to go to Brooklyn. Um, I've already thought about this, but I'm going to give credit to um, somebody that we have had on this podcast and Harrison Fagan. He wrote an article today and that player is going to go to Brooklyn. You know, Drummond? Whether it be Drummond, whoever gets, whoever the top big man is that gets bought out. Hold on, hold on. Oh, on, on the buyout. I was going to say, like, you made it sound like it was going to be a trade on the no, buyout, no, no. Market. Buy, buyout market. Sorry. My apologies. Go ahead. Yeah. The, whoever the best big man is in the buyout market is going to Brooklyn. Why? Because that role is going to be larger. You're going to play more. You're going to be able to uh, have more time on the floor, potentially in the playoffs and may eat, may be even in the finals. So that versus going to LA where you might be JaVale McGee of last year and Dwight Howard cheering on the bench and not playing for an entire series. I think that person, whether it be Andre Drummond, Blake, uh, JaVale McGee, whoever gets, whoever's the top big man that gets bought out that's available, right. I think will end up going to Brooklyn. So the Lakers are gonna be able to scoop the second or third maybe best big man on the buyout market, which already isn't a great market. Um, and then you kind of just have to leave it open to who may become available. So you don't, just because you can sign somebody on starting on the 24th, doesn't mean you have to, as long as they, that person gets cut by April the 9th, they qualify to be postseason ready and the Lakers can carry them into the postseason, just like they did with Markeith Morris and bubble cheese and Jr. So right. um, I, I'd love to see, Rob Palenka wait more than anything because just to sign somebody just to cover the next two to three weeks when you're already universally known as the best team in the league. I mean, I just don't. But circumstances are going to dictate that. If the paint protection really, really suffers or if Marcus Saul goes down or or something happens with Trent or something along those lines where it's like, man, Lakers are really struggling out there to protect the paint or so-and-so goes down, then that – that's what I'm saying. Could it be sooner than later? Yes. And that's why you have to do your homework. Now you're still going to monitor the situation. If we could hold ourselves afloat, if we could try to win some of these games, if we could try to limit the paint protection as much as possible, even without Anthony Davis and just like Jerry Maguire said, we'll stay afloat. We'll stay afloat. (laughs) If you could do something like that, then yeah, then the rush isn't quite there, but if you are forced into a situation because of a losing streak or worse than that, lot, lack of paint protection or somebody else going down in the process, then yeah, then you have to be more aggressive and seriously consider exploring a trade and not just sit on a potential luxury of the buyout market and hope somebody like Robin Lopez or Ariza or Griffin or any of these other guys. By the way, I don't think Andre Drummond gets bought out. I think he's going to get traded. And I think Griffin is ultimately going to get traded. I think a buyout, that's a lot of dead money to have on Detroit's books. And I just don't know if they want to do that. So we shall see what, what's going to happen. The next few weeks are going to be telling, and you said it best, the Nets are going to be just as active, if not more active than you are, because their need is higher because, well, let's see, DeAndre Jordan hasn't been that effective and they essentially don't have another backup big man. So they would love to get a Drummond or a McGee or somebody along those lines to fill that void. So you're going to be competing with a lot of these different teams. Brooklyn is still winning games in spite of that void. So as soon as they get not at a high clock, level though, not at a high level, but as soon as they get somebody to clog up the paint a little bit, they, you know, they might start winning just at a, at a bit of a higher clip, but getting we'll back to the, getting back to the Lake show. Well, and Rob, we trust. That's what I'll end that segment on. Um, Rob will do 
there, Rob has earned not only our trust as Laker fans, but earned the respect of everybody across the league, not just as an agent, but as president and GM of the Los Angeles Lakers. You can't underestimate him. Um, and he's already the executive of the year based off of what he did this past offseason right. going into the season by developing and putting together the deepest team in the league, which now they're going to show you why they're the deepest team in the league yeah. over these next nine games. And to me, and it, it's just that extra layer of adversity to make the season that much more interesting in the dog days of a long season with a short layoff. And let me tell you this, the guy that's going to be on the hot seat, by the way, for potentially getting cut for that roster spot may not be Jared Dudley or, or Quinn cook. It could be Markeith Morris. Could be. Yeah. If he does not step up during this time, and you have an opportunity now to not only get a big man, but let's say somebody along the lines of Trevor Ariza, who, by the way, has not played, I think, close to a calendar year. Or reported to the OKC Thunder. Right. He hasn't reported the OKC Thunder. He didn't report to Portland. By the way, he was playing good for Portland. When when Portland got him from Sacramento, he was playing really good. And then, you know, the shutdown happened. uh, uh, the, The bubble happened. There were some legal issues with it with his kids some family problems won't get into that and then he didn't play during the bubble obviously portland got bounced in the first round but obviously he would have made a difference i mean that would have been another six fouls to throw out lebron james i still think he's got some juice left in the tank and if you could put him in the right situation for short minutes i think he could definitely be solid so look out for markeith morris as as a potential casualty if he does not produce and the Lakers, if a good situation and the buyout market comes the Lakers way, he could end up being the odd man out and, and it would be justified. Boy, you Laker fans talk about wanting to see Paul Gasol back in a Laker uniform, (laughs) but I would give to see Trevor Ariza back in a Laker uniform this year, actually playing and producing. And Chaz, Chaz, no disrespect to you say, no disrespect to Powell, no disrespect to Kyle Kuzma, but I am not sold on Kuzma's on ball defense in a potential seven game series against a Paul George or a Kawhi Leonard. I am sold on that aspect for Trevor Reza because he's done it throughout his career at a high level, going back 10, 12 years ago with the Lakers. Uh, So, I mean, he's been there. He's done that. And I, like I said, I think he's got enough juice left in the tank and he would be motivated to come back home, play for the Lakers, play next to LeBron and AD and play for a coach who uh, would get the best out of him in in Frank Vogel. I believe so. I believe so as well. So we'll see. Um, I just can't wait to see who, if there is another person that will be wearing a Laker uniform, I can pretty much guarantee that there's going to be at least one new player in the Laker uniform it's just a matter of who and when. So yeah, we just got to wait and see. But let me ask you this. We'll end on this note. Uh, we'll end this segment on this note, I should say. Ariza and Robin Lopez. If you can get both, would you, if, if, if you I, if get I, both on the buyout market, are the Lakers set? Assuming, of course, AD gets back healthy. I don't know if I want Robin Lopez. I'm sorry. Okay. I don't even. I don't even know. If, I don't even know if I. Like, do I have to? Do I have to cut Markeith Morris? And potentially somebody else. Yeah. Maybe a Kaycock. Maybe a Costas. I don't know. No, because they have the one spot. So you only have. You would have to cut one person, assuming that you're taking. You're getting a reason for like the vet minimum, and then Robin Lopez would be for the for obviously the the minimum as well. 
but um, you're, but you cover all your your bases right there. You cover all your needs. Lopez covers you in the paint at the five spot. Ariza covers you defensively on the perimeter. Not to mention a guy still capable of knocking down an open three. Yeah, yeah. When you put it that way, I guess I'd have to. Along with what you already have in place. Yeah. 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 But he, but but even but even so, Robin Lopez would have to know that he's not playing for an entire series, more than likely. And some at some point in the playoffs, maybe, maybe two series. Like it's just but hey, that's oh. that's why he's a professional and yeah, and we'll see. Dan, but I I'll be honest, I can't imagine Sideshow Bob wearing a Laker uniform. <laughs> I just can't. Hey, just can't. you know what? As long as he comes here with the right attitude, ready to play, we shall see. But that being said. These next nine games, we've been alluding to it throughout this pod. What to expect. Now, Chaz, here is what the next nine games are going to look look like, starting on Tuesday night at Minnesota. Then a three-game homestand. You come back home, you play the Nets, you play the Heat, you play the Wizards. Back on the road for one game at Utah, first meeting of the year against the Jazz. And then a three-game homestand again, Portland again. Warriors again, both of those teams have got wins at Staples Center. First meeting against the Suns since the preseason. And then at Sacramento for the first meeting against the Sacramento Kings. And then that is that. That is it for the first half of the season. Looking at that schedule, what do you project the Lakers will do? What would you like to see them do? So you got to look at it through a couple of different lenses first. So you take those nine games before you see who's winning and who's losing or whatever. Six of those nine are at home. Yeah. Only two of them, which are the last two, are are the back-to-backs. None, all the other games at least have a day of rest in them. Um, they're all right. they're all every other day. So, with that being said, I think the Lakers can win at minimum five of those games. Yep. At most, probably seven of those games. Woo! Seven out of nine without AD. That's that's yeah. ambitious. At most, I'm not saying that they will. That's yeah, just that's the, that's the ceiling. Five is the floor. Seven is the ceiling. Chaz, I got to create a little drama. What am I going to pick? I'll pick six, and I'll be happy with six. If if Agreed. I'm going to go with six games, and here, here are the six games that I think the Lakers will win. Here's how I have it. Chuck it up going. Um, they'll beat Minnesota on Tuesday, on, on Tuesday. Yeah. They'll lose to Brooklyn. They just will. Mm-hmm. I think I think Katie will play in that game. No AD. It'll be three superstars against one. Brooklyn will just be too much. Got it. Um, they'll beat Miami, even though Miami's hobbled. Mm-hmm. I think they'll win that matchup. Uh, they'll beat the Wizards at home. Uh, they'll lose the big-time Utah matchup. Mm-hmm. Just Utah's playing out of their mind right now. Jordan Clarkson just had 40 points off the bench. They yeah, won 18 hot. of the last 19 games. They're hot. I don't think we're stuck in and that, and that game is in Utah and they have 3000 fans in that building right now. So albeit not a ton of fans that gives them at least some slight advantage. I'll give that one to Utah. Got to, got to avenge the Portland loss at home and the golden state loss at home. So those two you're, you got as wins. Got to, okay. those are the, those are the ones you have to have. You're at five and two right now. Yep. Two games left. Go ahead. Uh, I got them. Losing the Phoenix mm, at home, okay, and beating Sacramento. Interesting on the back to back. I think I got that in reverse. I think I, I I agree with you for the most part. Um, 
yeah, that Miami game is going to be interesting right there. I mean, we'll see about the Nets. The Nets don't have a lot of uh, imposing size in that game. That's going to be a game one on the perimeter if the Lakers are going to gut it out. Uh, and I would like to see a lot of the Laker role players show up in that one. But yeah, I mostly agree with that. I may switch one of the games. I could see them dropping that Blazers game for whatever reason. Portland just gives them a hard time. And they're playing it's the great playoffs. right now. And they are. They're they're... Without CJ, they just beat Luka. And, yeah. Well, and, and but Dallas Porzingis. But Dallas has been struggling this year. Dallas is they just, have. they have not had the same type of season. And uh, Portland does not play a, a ton of uh, defense, but I'm worried about guys like Gary Trent Jr. who tend to go off against the Lakers. Carmelo has had some good games. So, I mean, that's that's the concern I have. But, you know, I I think five and four or six and three, I don't think they go seven and two. So yeah. yeah, I think five and four, and I would be happy with five and four. I think holding your heads above water would be would be good. And I think that's honestly looking at the schedule with how many home games that they have, it's realistic. It's realistic. So we shall see, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting these next nine games. But we'll it's not just even about the wins or losses. It's are we able to protect the paint? Are we able to start making some threes? Are we able to collectively pick up that slack watching guys like Trez and Schroeder and Coos and THT and Markeith Morris. Are they going to be able to maximize this time, take advantage of it, lick their chops, get angry and really provide some support to number 23. Because I tell you, LeBron can't do, you know, outside of maybe the second half against the uh, on Sunday night against Denver, LeBron can't do much more than what he's already doing. So he's going to need some help and some support. And I hope, all of these guys come with every weapon in their arsenal. And like I said, want it, embrace it. Be like, Hey, no AD, no problem. I'm here. I'm here. Let them know. That's what you want to see. That man, LeBron Duncan from damn near the free throw line. The other that was night pretty, after, that was pretty after, nice. Yeah. After he split, I was T I was teed off and, and just mad about the end of that half and, and AD going out. But that LeBron James dunk at the end, man, that, mm. that had me pretty excited. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I, but, hold, but really quick, I, I got to ask you something. What's up, man? You said you wanted to flip-flop Phoenix and Sacramento on the back-to-back. So you think that we'll beat beat Phoenix and lose to Sacramento? Yeah. I, I mean, I could see that happening where that legs get heavy. And I disagree. In That's a travel. Don't forget, Sacramento, you got to travel for that. So by the time they get out of Staples Center – and have to head up north to to play the Kings. Kings have been playing so, some pretty good ball, and they're going to probably try to run the Lakers out of the building that night. I could see that happening. I could see them beating Phoenix in a close one and then losing to Sacramento as they pull away late in the fourth quarter. I could see that happening. I'm not but saying I you're just, wrong. I'm just saying I how just, I see it. The only reason why I disagree is because I just watched Phoenix win nine of their last ten, and Sacramento just gave up a 23-0 to run, and Luke Walden is currently losing – is on the bench right now. So um, I, I just think that the Lakers will um, be – hey, they might win both of those games. We, we both don't know. But yeah. if I had to pick, I think the Lakers are going to win six of their last nine as long and still be a top two seed in the conference uh, going into the All-Star break. But if, they're, if they win five and four and they go four, five and four and they're still a top three seed going in, in the West going into the All-Star break, I'll take it because that's when – you're really loading up for the second half of the season and really gearing up for the playoffs in those March, April, May months uh, going into the playoffs. So right, I'm and excited and I'm, I'm really, you know, looking forward to seeing how the Lakers for respond. Sure. 
And not to, and I know this is a Laker podcast and people don't want to hear about the Clippers, but you got to give Clippers some credit down four starters on Monday night against the Miami heat. And they come out with a 125, 118 win. Why? Because all these other guys are stepping up. Lou Williams, Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris had 32 Keith's Keith's twin brothers. So that if you are the Lakers and you're looking at that, there are no excuses. You know, yeah, okay, maybe maybe Miami isn't what they were a year ago or they won up in Minnesota or Chicago, but yet they're still winning without their stars. So you can't use that as an excuse. I know John Ireland says sometimes, hey, I'm not going to, uh, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm going to put an asterisk next to every loss of, of Anthony Davis. Yeah, but you shouldn't have to do that. If you are the 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 deep team and, and, and a quality team like you claim to be, then it shouldn't just be the LeBron and AD and the <laughs> PIP show. He said it, that? Yeah, said that today yeah. On he says he does not. Well, not today, but he said it in weeks past when they lost that Detroit game. He's like, I don't put a lot of stock in that game because they didn't have Anthony Davis. You should yeah. not need your stars every single night to beat some of these lesser opponents. The Clippers have actually had legitimate excuses that Clippers should have gotten blown out by 20 tonight by the Miami Heat. And yet here they are with a seven point win. It just goes to show you that guys embrace that. Guy, the, the guys on the Clippers aren't going to make excuses and wallow around in self-pity. Oh, we don't have Kawhi. We don't have Paul George. We're going to, we don't have Batum. No, they went out there and they played their tails off. So I give credit yeah, to the Clippers. And starters. I say that, and I say that to, to, I preface that to say that the Lakers should not have an excuse to go out there and beat some of these teams. Okay. Maybe not the Utahs, maybe not the Brooklyn's, you know, some of these teams that are elite, but you should be able to beat Minnesota. You should be able to beat Washington. Miami has just been a train wreck so far this season. Um, you sh- you should be able to beat a team like the Warriors, maybe even the Blazers too, without a guy like Anthony Davis. It's just going to take a team effort from everybody being aggressive, being assertive, and embracing that challenge of not having Anthony Davis there in the middle. If the Lakers go four and five, I'm okay with it as long as they pick up wins in Utah and against Brooklyn. Yeah. You know, like, like if we could get that, you, if there's one game, there's two games that I want out of these next nine, I really want the Utah and I really want the Brooklyn game. I know we won't get Brooklyn more than anything, but if we could somehow get the Utah game without AD with the streak that they're on right now, I know games a game and, you know, they all count, but that's something that you can have a mental edge on a team going forward man no ad we're playing the best that we've ever played together and these guys come into our house without ad right. and lebron james just lays the smack down if i can, if we can have one of those games against utah um and during would, this nine game trip be, yeah i'll take i'll take an extra two losses instead of that but the issues go beyond just anthony davis you know they have to shoot better as a team they got to protect the paint better they got to play better perimeter defense they just have to get out, I mean, get out to better starts, all of these different things that they have to shore up. And these were with a healthy Anthony Davis. Now it's magnified 10 times because he's not going to be there to erase certain mistakes. So this is the time to really come together, shore up some issues and see what you're really made of. This is your first real test of adversity this season. And now there are no excuse. I mean, there's an excuse, but you don't want to use it. You don't want to be that team. You want to really show your, your resolve and your metal and your mental and physical toughness. And I'm really looking forward to see, seeing how these guys respond over these next nine games. And even beyond that, after the, uh, after the all-star break and uh, going into the second half of the season. Absolutely. Um, it'll be, 
It's going to be fun. And all and seven of these next nine games are all national TV games, TNT, ABC, ESPN, NBA TV. Yeah. Um, the only games that aren't on national TV is the Minnesota game on Tuesday and that Sacramento game last, uh, last game before the all-star break, but everything else prime time, baby. So we'll be able to get a good look just like the rest of the country. And I, I think you'll see, that's when you see the stars shine brightest and LeBron assuming health and hopefully he's not getting burnt out. Knock on wood. Mm. Uh, he's going to, he's going to average 30 plus over these next nine games. Let's put it down. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see. And he'll definitely have a chance to make that MVP case even more strong. Yeah, hey, uh, last point. Thank you for reminding me. That was the last point I had on my list. If there was ever a time for LeBron James to really solidify and, and widen that gap between him and Joel Embiid or whoever else that might be in second place for MVP. Now is the time to do it because you think you'll think back to the voters will think back to men. Remember that nine game, you know, part of the season without AD before the all-star break and what LeBron James did. Imagine if LeBron James goes off and the Lakers do win seven of the next nine and end up beating Brooklyn and Utah. I mean, you could pretty much solidify the MVP at that point. Yes, sir. Well, it's going to be interesting over these next nine games. So shout out to AD. Hopefully uh, you come out of this fully healthy and, and we are wishing you a very speedy recovery, but obviously not too speedy. Make, make sure, make sure you're hundred percent first. All right. So that's going to about do it on this edition of the Showtime Forum podcast. Thank you for tuning in every week. I know we took a week off last week because of some scheduling issues. We were a mess, but Chaz and I got you covered, hopefully the rest of the way, but thank oh, yeah. you. Thank you for, for joining us every single week. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for now. We'll, we're going to see what happens with t- Twitter in the coming days uh, at Showtime Forum. That's at Showtime Forum. You could also download and subscribe to our podcast uh, on all major streaming platforms at Showtime Form. Chaz, how could they follow you on Twitter? On you guys know where to get at me on Twitter at Chaz Pearson and on Instagram at Chaz P. What about you, Chris? You could always follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Camelo. I'm also on Instagram, Camelo one Camelo's corner by Chris Camelo on Facebook. And we're also going to be doing some post-game stuff on Instagram. Myself and Jonathan Watson, we're going to be doing that the next couple of games and see how that goes. So be sure to follow us on Instagram. Nice, tune into that. Yeah, and doing some Instagram lives. So uh, we're going to be kind of filling in the void until Chaz and Devon can get back uh, in the swing of things on Periscope and, and all of that. So we're filling the void. Hey, next man up, right, Chaz? Next man up. Appreciate you, dog. Absolutely. So thanks again, Laker Nation. Keep your head held high. Stay healthy. Stay safe. We'll talk to y'all soon.